Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Well, hey, hey, welcome to the show. And this show, i got to tell you, it's a little anticlimactic for me, Judy. You understand, I'm going to sit here for the third time teasing country singer Lori Morgan. Third time's a charm. Right? Isn't that what they say? She she stiffed us twice. Well, I don't want to say stiffed us. She what? She had a medical emergency. Was that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, twice, twice so far. So we're going <laughs> to see if it's going to happen a third time today. The dog ate my homework. Yeah, I believe. I believe. I have faith. Well, you know, she's not only just a great country singer, but she also just loves the animals. She does. That's why I've been trying so hard to get her on. Normally, we would have given up, right? Oh, yeah. By now. Yeah. Anyone that stiffs us once, you know. Well, that's it. Yeah. Fool me twice. once, that's <laughs> it. Fool me twice, shame on you. Fool me three times, I'll still call you a fourth. I got to tell you, it's worth it just to find out, just to stick around to find out if she's going to show up today. Also on the show today from, uh, I forget what channel this is on, Animal Storm Squad. Is that a Nat, Nat, Nat Geo? Geo? Nat mm-hmm. Geo channel uh, mm-hmm. has Animal Storm Squad where they uh, go around and they rescue animals involved in natural disasters and storms. Yeah, tornadoes and floods, fires. And so we'll uh, talk to, who is the lady that we're talking to today? What does she do over there? Is she a producer or a marketing person? What is she? No, she's, she's actually, she's an animal expert and a vet assistant. And she not only does this where she goes around helping these animals. Okay, so she's on the show. Yeah, yeah. Okay. She also found her own charity, Never Stop Saving Animals Disaster Rescue Transport. That's a lot there. Yes, it is. That's on the way. Also, uh, Gwen Cooper is going to be joining us. She's telling us about her cat, Homer. And Homer is a completely blind cat. Yes, Homer was. Was? I'm yes. sorry. Homer was a blind cat. Thank yes. you for correcting me before I made a nether fool out of myself on yes. air. It's uh, an, an amazing little black kitty. Yeah. Um, little blind kitty nobody wanted. Yeah. We'll talk uh, to Gwen in just a few minutes. But first, we're going to ask you to call in and ask us your questions about your animals. We have Dr. Debbie here to my right, to my left, Joey Volani, and Lori Brooks in the newsroom. What are you working on for this hour? Oh, everybody loves a list, don't we? I mean, you know, uh-huh. it's like we want to know what's the most, what's the least. And now we have uh, from the AKC, the American Kennel Club, their new list of America's favorite purebred dog breeds is out. Oh, you know, I always love myself a mutt, though. <laughs> I hope it's changed. Yeah, of course we do. But, you know, it's like it's a mixture of all these purebreds. It makes our mutts that we love so much. Okay. So there have been some changes on this list, and we're going to tell you about that. Too. Good. 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 Finally. I want, I want, I want changes. It's, it's been the same dogs for too long. Mm-mm. What are you working on, Joey? It's the quarterly report, you know? Oh, yeah. Time to um, dust out, the, I mean, because spring is um, right here, so I'm going to talk about, you know, what you need to do. For those of you that are new to Animal Radio, the quarterly report means that it's kind of like a tune-up, like you do with your car, except it's a tune-up for your pet. Yeah, I guess you could say that. It's a tune-up, it's a tune-up for your pet's beauty. How's that? That's on the way. Let's go to the phones first right now for you. We go to Vel. Is it Vel? Uh, yes, Vel is here. How are you doing today? I'm pretty good. Thank you, Doc. How can we help you? Uh, yes, um, I have uh, I have a problem with one, uh, with one of my cats. Uh, uh, I have two cats. One of them is three years old. Uh, uh, she male, uh, we got her three years ago uh, as a little kitty. And approximately in the seven or eight months after that we got another cat uh, we okay. adopted the, the, the other one and 
Uh, since then, this, uh, uh, when we brought the other cat, it, it was a confrontation and still on. Okay, but okay, recently, you, didn't, brought, well, you didn't mention what kind of kitty is male or female is the second one. Yeah, uh, the and second one is a male. Is a male, and it's a uh, Siamese. But the, uh, we, ad- we adopt uh, we adopt him in a, uh, one of the pet shops, and okay. uh, so confrontation is still on. But recently, approximately start maybe half a year ago, the female cat, her name is Katya, and she started to uh, pee uh, or on on the, uh, my clothes, sometimes the, in the corner, and it's getting worse and worse. And I realized that there is a possibility maybe she's jealous or something, But and I'll try to pay more attention to her to give her more treats or to spend more time with her, like to play with her, but it doesn't get doesn't get better. And um, okay. I don't know what to do because sometimes you came, you came home, home in the evening, and I, I feel smell, and I start to looking around, and I think, and I found out in another spot, you know. And okay. usually she marks she marks uh, my clothes or the uh, place I pee, like in the office or once she just sneak to the bedroom and she uh, pee on my uh, on my part of the bed. Okay. And so does the male cat have any kind of behavioral problems? Is he doing anything abnormal out of the litter box? Not at all. Not at all. And he's very he's very adorable. He's uh, he's not aggressive like a friend of mine uh, told me that uh, sometimes Siamese are aggressive and uh, they they don't come along uh, they don't get along with with other uh, with other animals. But he's very adorable. He's very friendly. Never okay. had a problem with him and he's yeah. Okay, and then tell me about the cat's environment. Do these kitties go inside, or do they go outside, or are they indoor only? They are only indoor. Okay, and what kind of a litter box situation do you have for these kids? Again, little. How many litter boxes? Uh, what it's style? A one, it's the one big one. It's the one plastic, uh, extra large. Okay, is there a cover on top of it, or is it a, a, an open one? Yes, it is. It is covered. It is okay. Yeah, All right. Well, let's. Sorry, uh, I'm sorry if I can interrupt you. Uh, I mentioned the situation in uh, Petco, and they recommend me to uh, to get another box. I, I haven't purchased another box because I, I have a limited space in my place. So I okay. I put I put like a box, just a simple box, and it put a little a little there. It didn't work. Okay. And how did the two kitties get along? Do they fight? Are they pretty playful? Do you have problems where they'll hiss at each other? Sometimes we they play, but this play, uh, this game uh, become aggressive from uh, my female cat. She um, she let him play. She, she let him play with her for for a short period of time. Then then, this, then she starts to play aggressively. Like she she's basically attacking him. Okay. All right. Cause, all right. Well, let's get to the bottom of this here, Val. Um, and I'm going to have to agree, first and foremost, with the Petco um, recommendation. When we have two cats in the household and one litter pan, there's always kind of a, a, um, an unconscious, quiet strife, uh, kind of a fight that the cats can have over that resource. And, and that may not be a problem in the average cat household. But if there is a little inter-cat interpersonal problem, then we're going to see a problem manifested. And very commonly, it'll be in house-soiling accidents. 
So before we go down that whole behavior road, I guess I should back up and say, anytime I have a cat that is urinating out of the litter box, I always, always, always want to get a veterinary examination and at the very minimum get a urine sample. And I know a lot of people say, oh, I know it's behavioral. We don't. And there's such an overlap between medical problems and behavioral problems that in many cases they blur. And um, we just can't confidently say in those situations, oh, it's just a behavioral problem. Don't, don't worry about going to the vet. You don't need to. Um, so that's my first uh, therapy for you is to see the veterinarian and have her urine checked out. We know that there's a lot of possibilities for intercat aggression. So if a cat has a lower urinary tract problem, they can be more aggressive with other cats. If they have arthritis, they have thyroid problems, they may have heightened aggression towards other animals and other behavioral problems in the home. So well, let's make sure that kitty is in sound health. So once that is done, and I'm going to hope that's all good, then we're going to work on the resources in the home. And the litter box is the first resource that we've mentioned. We want to add that second box, as painful as it is in your, your household situation. We need to make sure we get another um, litter box. The other recommendation I'm going to have is to take that lid off that litter box and put it away because many cats find that too oppressive to have that over top of them. And especially if we're worried about another cat that's competing for that resource, that can be a problem. So take the lid away, add that second box, make sure it's it's a solid litter box that's not going to shake under their footing. And then we talk about maybe trying different litter substrates, different litter surfaces. Every cat's a little different. Some really enjoy um, the types of the corn cob litters. Others like the clumping litter. So you have to kind of experiment with that a little bit. Now, and then once we get to that point, I'm going to ask you to add some other resources for the kitties. You mentioned you try to give her some extra attention. That's great. But we also need to give her extra hiding spots. And cats are very vertically oriented. So what they like is they don't want to have a flat bed, even with our bed. They want to go high. So we want to make a little kitty condo or even some of the little window seats that cats can look outside of a window. That's how they feel more comfortable and confident in their world. They go vertically higher. So look for opportunities to give her those opportunities in the home, and that's going to give her a little bit more confidence and an ability to get away from the other guy. And whew, then we can work on all these other issues, and there's so much we can get into in cat psychology here, so I'm kind of babbling here extensively. <laughs> But um, And then in some cases, we will look at some medication um, for kitties. Um, I don't know that that's going to be the first step for you because there's a lot environmentally that we can really adjust and work with. Mm. And then another final recommendation, I'm a big fan of the natural pheromones. So you can go to your local pet store or veterinary office and pick up a little plug-in that releases scent hormones that have a calming effect. And, and that can help when we have these kind of intercat problems, whether it be house soiling or aggression or what have you. Mm. So I, I've given you a lot of homework, Val. <laughs> I wish you the best of luck with things, and hopefully we can work through your kitty um, household problems and the house soiling. So my best wishes to you and give your, your kitties a, a hug and a kiss for me. Val, I'm Thank going to help you with your resources there i'd like to send you a bag of world's best cat litter and if you hold on a second we'll get you the information for that uh hold on let me transfer you over to judy right now there you go 
Now, there is a formula for litters, doctor. Yes, the, the, the number of litter pans in a cat household should be one more than the number of cats you have. So in a two-cat household, we really ought to have three litter pans okay. in order to decrease this resource protectionism that they have. Okay, so even uh, even adding a second one may not be the solution. You may uh, need to add a third one there. Very Boy, possible. Cats are so darn territorial, I'll tell you. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our grain-free rolled food. It's protein-packed with less risk of food sensitivity. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio, and we'll head back to the phones to celebrate your animals in just a couple of minutes right here on Animal Radio. And uh, Lori Morgan, I got to tell you, Judy, I'm, I'm, I have a hard time teasing her. <laughs> I don't want to, it's like, I want to be, I got to be honest with my listeners. I, I got to tell the listeners like it is. Lori Morgan is supposed to be here today. And I, I will tell you that there have been two other times that she was supposed to be here. Yes. Well, things yeah, came she's up. She's going to tease us. She has teased us. <laughs> I feel very cheesed. Turnabout's fair play, how? Well, I know she loves her animals so much. So that's why we want to get her on the phone. Yeah, I, we will. Uh, from the television show on Nat Geo Animal Storm Squad, we have Carissa Haddon. How are you doing, Carissa? I'm doing great. Thank you. How are you? Very well. Now, for people that haven't seen the show, what do you guys do on Animal Storm Squad? We save a lot of animals, <laughs> or try our hardest to do so. Uh, Never Stop Saving is the um, animal rescue organization, and the, the show is called Animal Storm Squad. And what you will see is a group of uh, very dedicated, uh, trained volunteers uh, that go into natural disasters, um, the destruction afterwards, and help uh get the animals out of there, and we do triage, uh, take them to the vet, and ultimately reunite them with their owners. Well, there must have been something that inspired you to do this. Actually, almost three years ago, on May 20th, uh, 2013, Moore, Oklahoma was um, tragically devastated by an EF5 tornado. And at the time, a good friend of mine, Dave Holder, a meteorologist, was tracking the storm, and he had called me about an hour and a half um, later with the news that he had found a litter of very tiny uh, kittens, five kittens, and he was in a complete panic. He didn't know what to do. The mother had been sadly killed by uh, the devastation, and he needed some uh, some help with what to do. And uh, with my day job being a veterinary assistant back in Whitby, Ontario, uh, I was able to step him through what to do with the kittens um, but sadly, because of all the devastation, I, I was trying to call all the vet clinics for, for him because the, the, the phone lines were down, um, so he wasn't able to call out. Uh, there was no vet clinics um, answering the phone, so whether that was from the phone lines being dead or the, the clinics had actually been destroyed, um, it wasn't until hours that he was able to find a shelter to take these kittens to, and sadly, uh, the next day, three out of the five kittens died, and it was in that moment when he told me that I realized that 
I wanted to start an organization that could help save these animals after after a natural disaster and as quickly as possible and get them get them back to their owners. So that was the day that actually inspired me to start Never Stop Saving. Are you old enough to remember Katrina? I do remember <laughs> Katrina, yes. <laughs> it was it was a changing point for a lot because the shelters wouldn't take animals. People had to leave their animals at home and many people wouldn't leave because they wouldn't leave their animals. And there was uh, many big organizations oh, right. that went in there like Best Friends to rescue animals and get them out of there behind yeah so are you finding that Mm -hmm. in these disasters more and more people are able to take their animals with them or are they leaving them there's a mixture of both i think that if the residents are given enough evacuation time to get their animals out then they're definitely taking them with them but if you're in a wildfire situation, uh, we heard many stories when we were up in Middletown, um, California, for the Valley Fires just this past summer. And one of the stories that we heard was uh, the resident was literally just sitting there um, having a drink on her back porch, and she started to smell smoke. And then she kind of looked around the corner of her house, and there was the fire, you know, just 100, 200 yards away. Mm-hmm. And all she could do was get the keys to her car uh, grab her kids and and get out as quick as possible, and she didn't have time to find her cats or her dogs. Uh, so I think it's really, I think that each disaster is is different with how much time um, you know the family has to get their animals out. So where are you located? I mean, are you going to places all over the United States? Well, thankfully, we have um, a forecaster, uh, Eric Fox, who is constantly moder- monitoring. Um, tornadoes, upcoming potential floods, wildfires. And so we have a general idea of what to expect. Um, but everything, you know, can change. Um, weather patterns change. But we're, we're always preparing and, and getting ourselves self ready uh, to deploy at a moment's notice um, if, if help is needed. I'm, I live in Whitby, Ontario, and, and Eric's in Texas. Um, another team member is in uh, Kansas, Leanne, and, and Dustin's all the way in California. So we're just always communicating, and whether we have to jump in our car um, or SUV and, and drive out, or if we fly in and meet, we just try to get there as soon as possible. Well, the uh, premiere just happened on um, Nat Geo on Friday. Is this going to be a weekly show? Yes, every Friday on National Geographic Wild for the next five weeks, you'll be able to see uh, different rescues from uh, there's a couple fires, a tornado, a couple floods. So uh, so definitely stay tuned uh, uh, on Nat Geo Wild for the next five Fridays. Fun stuff. And that's on the Nat Geo Wild, 10 p.m., 9 central on Friday night. So set the DVR if you happen to be out. It looks like a fun program. I cannot wait to see it for the first time. Hopefully you'll come back and tell us some great stories. Most definitely. Definitely. Thank you. Is there a website for the uh, charity and the organizations that anybody can go to and learn more about them? Yes. uh, You can visit our website at neverstopsavingadrt.org, and that's Animal Disaster Rescue Transport. So it's kind of a long website, but you can definitely check us out on our website, or we have uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram too, and we're uh, constantly posting uh, pictures of our of our rescues and and our training and anything involved in rescue is always being uh, posted. Never stop saving adrt.org. Of course, links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.com. Carissa Haddon, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. Well, this healthy serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats, always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. Learn more over at redbarninc.com. And thanks, guys, for underwriting this portion of Animal Radio.
Yeah, puppy pads are convenient, but sometimes they're really gross. That's why the Animal Radio Studio stunt dog, Ladybug, uses the Brilliant Pad self-cleaning puppy pad. We love how it handles number one and number two. It seals away the waste and replaces dirty pads for us. Brilliant Pad keeps our home clean and smelling fresh. All we do is replace the roll once every few weeks, and the process is fast and clean. In fact, Ladybug gives it five paws up. Learn more about it at BrilliantPad.com. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Labrador Retriever still reigns supreme after a quarter century as America's favorite purebred dog. But French Bulldogs, they say, are on the rise on this latest list, and some lesser-known breeds are also climbing the big popularity ladder, too, according to a new AKC ranking list that's out. Now, known for being easygoing, you know, super fun-loving, friendly, and multi-talented, Talented. Labs have held that number one spot for longer than any other breed since the AKC started keeping track back in the 1880s. That's a long time. Now, rounding out the top 10 in order are number two, German Shepherds, followed by Golden Retrievers. English Bulldogs are fourth, then Beagles, French Bulldogs. At number seven, the Yorkshire Terrier. Number eight is Poodles, then Rottweilers and Boxers at number 10. They say French Bulldogs moved from number nine to the number six spot on the new list and also became the favorite purebred dog in Miami and San Francisco, having already been the favorite dog in New York City. They weren't even, by the way, in the top 50 as recently as 2002. Now, some other breeds that are rising in popularity include the Connie Corso, which is an imposing Italian guard dog. It rose from number 47 to 35, and also the Norwegian Elkhound, a big hunting dog that's up from 100 to number 88. But what about those dog breeds that are declining in popularity? Well, Dachshunds and Shih Tzus dropped out of the top 10 within the last five years. Boston Terriers, Cocker Spaniels, and St. Bernards were number one in decades past, but they aren't even in the top 20 now. We've grown used to seeing German Shepherds and Belgian Malinois as police dogs, but how would you feel if pit bulls became the next generation of canine officers? Because it is happening now. Two organizations, in fact, have joined forces to save pit bulls from shelters and train them to become police dogs. Animal Farm Foundations is one organization. They cover the cost of the training, while Universal Canine, another group, actually trains the dog physically to be the new canine officers. And already the program has successfully placed nine pit bull canine officers across the U.S. in different police departments. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Hey, don't forget, you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Pets. Taking the pet out of petrified. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. And uh, let's see, which one, Judy? We're going to Donna. Hi, Donna. Hi, how are you? Very good. How are you doing today? Where I'm, you, I'm where, good. Where are you calling from? From Hernando, Mississippi. Hernan- it's about... 15 miles south of Memphis. I just love your southern drawl. <laughs> Isn't it cute? I uh, love it. <laughs> well, Donna, how can we help you today? I have the good doctor, Dr. Debbie White, here. Well, uh, I have a bulldog who is a year and a half, and she has what the 
specialists have told me is cyclic alopecia. She has hair loss on both sides. One side is okay. worse than the other. Um, she's not my first bulldog, and so when she first started losing her hair, I wasn't too alarmed because I went through this with another bulldog, and it turned out to be food allergy. Um, however, um, they don't seem to think that's what her problem is. Um, we are on a food diet right now doing a hypoallergenic diet, um, okay. but the vet really didn't give me much hope for her hair growing back, and I just wondered, is there... Are you familiar with anything that might help or know of anything else I might could do? Oh, sure. Yeah. And and you're talking about cyclical or what we call seasonal flank alopecia, which is basically kind of a smooth hair loss that happens on the sides. And it's usually, you know, even on both sides. It tends to happen at certain times of the year. And the trick is, and you kind of got to some of this with the food allergy, is that this can look like a lot of different skin diseases. So it's kind of a diagnosis by exclusion. So we try to eliminate all those other possibilities. And what I'll usually do is do skin scrape testing, looking for mites. Um, We'll do um, testing for hormone problems, thyroid disorders, adrenal gland. Uh, We even do skin biopsy. And that's usually the way that we kind of rule out those other possibilities. So I don't know how much of that kind of work was done with your baby there. They they have ruled out a thyroid. They did some blood work. And they did do the skin scraping and have ruled out any kind of mite or, you know, anything like that. So um, I just kind of wanted to get your input and see if there was anything else you're aware of that I could do. Uh-huh. Um, to okay. Yeah. And I'd say in the back of my mind, I'd, I'd probably still like to get a skin biopsy because it's going to give us the best answer with, with more certainty that that's what we got. Um, right. And that can be done fairly easily in many cases with just a local anesthetic. We just take small little skin biopsy. So it's not necessarily an anesthetic type thing. Okay. So th- that would be best. Now, if it is the seasonal alopecia, there, I have had some dogs have good results with melatonin, and what generally um, will treat for, for that or with that for about three months, and given it really once a day to twice a day, depending on the dog's size and the dose that we end up using, um, but in many cases, that can help, um, but the magic is once we treat with that, you can expect next year that the hair loss is going to happen again so if we do have that cycle and a pet responds to melatonin i'll tend to restart that the next year uh, shortly before we expect those signs to occur so um that is um that is one thing you can definitely try but otherwise you know it's kind of an aesthetic problem it's just the way it looks so they're (laughs) they're not bothered by it so you know as far as treating it you know a lot of folks will just put shirts on their dogs and kind of give them doggy clothing to kind of hide the little embarrassing spot um, right. But that might yeah. be something you could try with with okay. that route is see how that goes. And, um, you know, certainly you can talk to your vet a little bit more about the dosage, which might be appropriate for your dog there. Okay. Thanks for your call, Donna. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hello, Animal Radians. It's Robert Semro, your Pet World Insider, here with this week's Animal Radio Listomania, four things dog parents know that others don't. Are you a dog parent who is consistently scrutinized by people without pets? Well, take pride in knowing that your house is not only filled with unconditional love, but also deeper knowledge of life. That's right. Here's just a few things that dog owners know that those without a dog don't. 
To begin with, it's truly important and socially enlightening to have someone special to share any meal with. In fact, it's even better for dog owners because your dog is more than happy to let you choose what that meal is. Are you feeling steak or chicken? Well, so is your pooch. Maybe you want pasta. That's fine too. See, there's no wrong decision or hours of debating what to have. When it comes to meals with your dog, the decision is simple. Let's eat. Next, sharing is expected in a household with a dog. There is no mine or yours, just who got there first and who has the bigger bark. See, dogs are more than happy to share their spot with you, and they know that even though you may not think there's enough room on that chair or sofa or bed for them, they'll make it work. No need to worry, it's in their DNA. That's right, that DNA, dogs need affection. Next, without a dog, most humans would sit on the couch, never put their electronics, and probably rarely ever get any real exercise. Instead, dog owners get the joy and privilege of getting up and getting moving quickly. Dogs have learned that if you want to get your human moving quickly, just let them know if they don't let you out first thing in the morning, they'll be on their hands and knees cleaning the first indoor dew droppings of the day. Additionally, walking to your car is not enough exercise, but a walk around the neighborhood or park with a few bend at the knees to pick up a dog-made road hazard exercises will keep you in much better shape than another game on your phone or tablet. Finally, if you have kids, you know that having a dog is essential life training. Yes, there's the taking care of another being and learning about love and friendship, but I'm referring to something even more important, and that is having the ultimate wingman. If your kids want to play, their faithful pooch is there to play. If your child makes a mess, that pooch is happy to take the blame. And if your child is forced to eat food that no one really wants to eat, that dog of theirs will take one for the team. And if not eat it, at least bury it somewhere a parent won't find until it's much too late to be mad. Yes, the ultimate wingman even extends to you single adults. Take that pup out for a walk or a run on the weekend and they'll introduce you to the world and many of its inhabitants just because they care about you like no one else in your life does. Dogs are a gift from the heavens. And if you don't think so, you don't have one in your life. Share your ideas on what only dog owners know on our Animal Radio Facebook page. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. A Pennsylvania woman pleaded no contest to reckless endangerment in a case where she allegedly attacked police with rattlesnakes. Police were on the scene trying to keep Terry Jackson from harming herself with a hunting knife. 36-year-old Terry Jackson picked up two western diamondback rattlesnakes, a pygmy rattlesnake, and two copperheads she had raised in her basement and tried to scare the police officers from taking her into custody. Police subdued her with a stun gun and took her to the hospital to be treated for snake bites. Jackson asked to be enrolled in the North Cumberland County Mental Health Court, which would allow her to avoid jail while undergoing counseling. The snakes were donated to a zoo in Hershey, Pennsylvania. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. Hi, this is Ed Begley Jr. on Animal Radio. Live simply so that others may simply live. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. 
Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our chicken rolled food as a meal or shred it as a topper. Hi, I'm Charlotte Ross on Animal Radio. Please remember to spay and neuter your pets. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. Alan Cable, every day across America, people welcome new kids into their homes. Babies. Here's Tanya. I'm on maternity leave for my new puppy. You're on maternity leave because you have a new puppy? Yes. It's a beautiful thing when you have a four-legged child. How come you can't go on maternity leave if you get a new boyfriend? I believe in making sure every man, woman, child, animal has the best chance in life. And by taking maternity leave for my puppy, he is going to be just a great dog. Kind of cool when you think about it. And so for me, investing in this time is investing in a life time of a wonderful pet. But is it really maternity leave? Well, I do get paid vacation, so it's true. It's not traditional maternity leave, but you know, when you have a new puppy, you need to take time off to socialize it. You know, she's got a really good point. Dogs have needs, and if you're going to bring a new one home, you've got to be there to make sure those needs are met. This guy is worth it all. Yes, yes, he gets the best of everything, because this is my child. Oh, he say? He said, we're all across the USA, the most listened to pet show today. Animal Radio, we're everywhere you go. Animal Radio. Animal Radio. We're going to head back to the phones, but uh, before we do, I want to remind you that if you do have a Yorkshire Terrier, a Shih Tzu, a Pug, or a Mini Schnauzer, have you checked out Dr. Debbie's Kindle books? They're over at Amazon. We have links from AnimalRadio.com, too. How to be your dog's best friend. Hi, Stephanie. Hi, how are you? Good. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Santa Ana, California. How can we help you today? Um, I'm going to be getting a Pekingese puppy, and I was just wondering, what type of food would you feed it? Because I haven't raised one of those type of dogs before. Okay, what's your experience been in dogs? Um, I've had poodles, and I've had an Afghan, and I've had a Samoy dog okay. years ago. All right, well, the good thing and the good news is they're very similar with some minor changes for small dogs. Um, okay. Some of the special concerns we might have for small dogs are going to be on the uh, size of the um, kibble mm-hmm. and are going to be concerns with uh, hypoglycemia. And size of the kibble basically being that a lot of times for the smaller breeds of dogs, we will go uh-huh. to a, the small bite variety of foods. Uh-huh. Um, just a little easier for their little mouths to deal with and not as large to worry about so much of a choking hazard. Uh-huh. The other thing is I mentioned hypoglycemia. And this is more for small breeds or even so much the toy breeds, the really mini breeds. Um, when they're young, we get concerned that if they are not eating on a regular timeline, that they can actually have a very serious drop in their blood sugar. And it's not always caused by something that you're doing wrong. It just can happen in some of these dogs. So um, for small breeds of dogs, and I'd include a Pekingese mix in the, that, would be to make sure that we are feeding at least three times a day. And any change in appetite, um, anything digestively, we, we take that very seriously in these little ones because we just can't let them run that risk of getting hypoglycemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then do you know how old the pup is? It was just born like about a month ago. 
Okay, fabulous. So we're going to have a youngin then. And a lot of times as you're starting off with a new puppy, you know, if they're six weeks, seven, eight weeks of age, a lot of times I'll even moisten their food um, or give canned food. Um, not a huge canned food fan as a long-term thing, but sometimes for pups, just as we're transitioning them and getting them comfortable um, into a dog food, um, we'll do that. My preference is to take a kibble and moisten it with warm water um, because then I feel like you're not really even going went into that canned food and hopefully you won't have that that fussy picky dog that says uh-uh, I'm not going to take dry food now I only want that smelly canned food stuff which costs more mom um, mm-hmm. so I just try to avoid it if I can um, as far as brands for food um, my recommendations are to find what your dog likes stick with major brands um, and those that have good solid nutritional histories so um, depends on what did you feed your previous pets it's been so long ago that I had those. It was like when I was real young. Uh-huh. And I don't remember. Yeah. I remember feeding the Gainsburg, the little Gainsburger. Oh, that's what we fed my dog when I was a kid, and I've learned better since then. Uh-huh. <laughs> the, the semi-moist foods, if we can stick to more of a dry food, um, you'll have more consistent dietary health. So I, I generally, there's a lot of brands that I'm fans of. I have folks that feed um, Science Diet, IAMS, um, the Nutro. Um, some folks have some great results with just Purina. Um, uh-huh. So just, I would say, look for the small bite varieties. And, mm-hmm. um, and then keep that in mind as far as the frequency of feedings that you'd want to go to. Um, but, yeah, I'm not really big into, like, you know, having a single preference on foods. I, I mm-hmm. very much like to adapt it to the individual pet and to their health conditions if there's anything going on there. And then when, how many months should they be before you get a, get a female spayed? Most cases we will spay at six months of age. Um, in some areas of the country, they may have, and like in Las Vegas here, we have an early spay-neuter law. So by between four to six months is typically where they'll require that to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, as a puppy, though, you're going to have some other things before then to address. We start mm-hmm. vaccinations at six weeks in puppies. Mm-hmm. Start vaccinating, deworming, and checking those poop samples for parasites for their protection as well as yours. And mm-hmm. then we'll usually do that um, until they're about four months of age. So you'll have generally monthly visits there um, through the puppyhood time. Mm-hmm. So a lot of good stuff to cover and go yeah. over. And I know, um, I know. Yeah. And, and all the, the, the puppy training and the potty training, oh my goodness, we could just talk for hours here, couldn't we? <laughs> I know, I know. Stephanie, I have some uh, food samples for you to try. We'll send out your way if you hold on for a second and we'll get your information. Thanks for your call. Hey everybody, this is Brett Michaels and I just want to say you right now want to take wait give me the line again my brain skipped uh, brett michaels i just had one of my brain hemorrhage brain farts oh Go don't ahead. do that Say don't that do that i don't want to be responsible for that trust me it's me Go okay ahead. animal radio brett michaels animal radio you got it i knew the animal radio like okay here we go hey this is brett michaels you're listening to animal radio and take care of your pets they will rock your world admit it you love your dog and he is part of the family So, when choosing your next vacation, don't forget Fido. With just a little planning, the entire family can enjoy a road trip. To find the best vacation spot for Spot, subscribe to Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog, where each issue includes hotel and destination reviews, where both you and Fido are welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and find out what all the barking's about. Celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White. 
groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And welcome. Now this hour, and this is a great reason to stick around, whether you're a country music lover or not, Miss Lori Morgan, who is supposed to be on the show two other times within the last year, I would say, and she's never shown up. But she says, or her peeps say, that she will be here today. Is that she correct? Is, yes, she's going to be here today. And she's very much involved with the animals, so it would be worthy to stick around just to see if she shows up. <laughs> uh, what do we have coming from the newsroom, Miss Lori Brooks? Well, hey, there is a story I'm calling it from hell, hell. to heaven. Oh. Because these dogs were basically plucked from a shelter and then given what would be a dog's dream job. So what would a dog's dream job be? (laughs) We'll tell you. Uh, Working at the bone factory? Yeah. Uh, Testing dog. Might be one of them. A dog food tester, taster. (laughs) You'll have to wait. We'll have to wait. Okay, that's on the way. Let's go to the phones for your calls right now. Hey, Linda. Welcome to the show. Uh, Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate uh, all your help that you're going to give me today. (laughs) All right. That's optimistic that I'm full of information today. (laughs) Oh, well, I've got a three-year-old female chihuahua that um, she's not very sociable. She likes to be completely by herself. I've got two issues. One, she's got a strip of her hair missing from the top of her head all the way to her tail, and I was told that was stress, but I don't know if that's true. I need you to clear that one up first. Okay. So she's just missing the hair? Yeah, just one little, one very, she weighs less than two pounds. She's three years old, weighs less than two pounds, but she's got a strip from like the top of her head all the way down to her tail that's just missing just a, just a couple inches. Okay. And has she always had this? Yes. Yes. Okay. I wouldn't call that stress. For me, that is a symptom potentially of a um, a spinal deformity that could have happened, kind of a, a, oh. a lack of the ability of the normal spine and the vertebrae in that area to, to, to really develop fully. Um, we see that sometimes in some breeds like Weimaraners um, and where they can have some kind of uh, problems with a hair coat right along the spine. It's very interesting that you say that because I didn't know that much about chihuahuas, but when she has to go to the bathroom, she starts very slowly in a circle, and then she starts going so fast you can't even watch her. You're going to get dizzy. And I mm-hmm. gave her to somebody that had a, sort of a vet background and said, the person that I gave her to said she's hydrocephalic, water on the brain, and she needs a shunt. And mm-hmm. I just want to know if that's true, because all chihuahuas I know go in circles. She, she just goes very, very fast. Yeah, well, a couple things. You, you mentioned this baby's really small, this kind of weird yeah. strip down her back and circling. Um, you know, definitely all of those things kind of mean different things, but hydrocephalus basically will back up is uh, where the head inside the brain, the fluids build up within the CSF. And that buildup of fluid can disrupt the brain as well as the nerve function. So we can see some abnormalities. And those might in- include things like circling, um, behavior changes. We might have a real stilted or spastic kind of gait. Um, we may see seizures. And a lot of dogs with hydrocephalus have, you know, problems learning. They're not as quick and not as easy to pick up on things like house training. Is there anything that I can do to help? She's not in any pain, she doesn't seem like. Is there Mm -hmm. anything I can help with this condition? 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, I think there's a lot that can be done medically. Your uh, friend mentioned, you know, certainly having a shunt or basically a little pathway that can be put in by far. You know, I'd say that's for pets that are having a lot of the severe symptoms of hydrocephalus. That is the best thing that we can do to, to really alleviate the pressure, give that a place to drain. And basically what they do is they put a little tube, a little shunt into the brain and it tunnels under the skin into the abdomen and it helps drain that fluid. And that helps to relieve the pressure, which relieves the symptoms. And we have a more normal pet and about 80% of dogs that have this type of uh, surgery, um, it can't, they can benefit greatly from. Now, short of that, if we're trying um, to just to control her symptoms, we would be looking at medical uh, management, things that will help to decrease inflammation in the brain, and that would include things like steroids. Um, There are other drugs that we can use to decrease the fluid production in the CSF, in the central nervous system, and those might include diuretics, steroids, and then there's some other medications. So there are some things... I was worried because she weighs less than two pounds, and... They didn't even want to, um, uh, uh, I don't know if it's spay or neuter, but they they didn't want to do that because she was so small. So I'm worried about any kind of surgery because she is so tiny. Yeah. And I think with this situation, you know, the the fear of surgery versus the benefits of the outcome, you have to weigh that. The reason she is small is because she's stunted, because she has a brain developmental problem. So that's what's kept her small. So, you know, not that she's going to get a lot bigger, but that is a fact of her brain dysfunction right now. And personality-wise, circling-wise, yeah, I could definitely attribute those type of symptoms to a dog that has, especially if we've got the bulging head. And a lot of dogs with hydrocephalus also have the eyes that kind of point down into the outside. That can be very distinctive uh, for a pet with hydrocephalus. Well, when she's going in circles, she looks completely on the ground, and then... When she's doing her business, she just looks up in the, and then she's done, and then she wants to, she's totally uh, antisocial. She wants to go find um, some dirty clothes and burrow herself in, but I do have her brother that's probably five times her size. So I was wondering about the difference in size, and you cleared that up for me. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, who knows? You know, this baby, you know, I don't know if surgery is the right thing for her or not, but there definitely could be some things that can be done. If surgery is pursued, though, this is something Mm -hmm. that is only available generally at specialty veterinary practices or vet school. So it is a pretty, you know, because it is, um, you know, kind of higher level surgery, you know, it's not something your regular veterinarians are going to do. And because these people have special training in this field, you know, I don't think that I particularly would be afraid of referring a two-pound dog to their services and to their care. This is what they do. Oh. You know, they have these extensive skills in these arenas. So, um, you know, oh. if that is a possibility, then, you know, I'd look into it, pursue it. Some things that yeah. we do to figure that out, we might do a CT scan, an MRI, or even just sometimes starting with an ultrasound of the brain. If we have a soft spot or an open area in the brain, we can oh. look at that. So... You don't even yeah. know how much I appreciate that. Thanks for your call today. Uh, Dr. Thank Debbie's you. here to answer your calls and Joey Villani with your grooming questions. Uh, Lori Morgan's still on the docket? Yes, she is. I'll just check it. She is. It's going to happen. <laughs> I, I believe. I'm sorry. You guys have no faith. I've got faith. Well, you can see why, right? Yeah, I can. You guys have every reason. Okay. Was, I, I feel it, Hal. You think she's going to be I here? I do. I think she's going to be here. Yes. I've talked to her people. Oh, you've, you've talked her to her people. peeps. Yes. She has people? Yes, she, she has, has people. Yes. Okay. I got people. Do you got people? I don't have any people. How do I get people? I got puppies. Your puppies. Do you have people, Lori? 
You've got to have people. No, You're in the news. I have news. dogs. I have cats. Yeah. Uh, country singer Lori Morgan, we think she's going to be on the way. I have my fingers crossed on this one here because uh, she's not only just a great singer, but she loves loves them animals. I believe she has a few of them, too. Uh, yeah, we love that about her. Yes. That's, that's really the only reason that we're trying a third time is because she has animals and she loves animals. And she loves them. I'm not giving up. Good. What are you working on over there in the newsroom? I got to say, I got a call just a few minutes ago. Somebody said, wake Hal up. He seems to be snoring on the air. Uh, Ow! Yeah, ouch! Yes, Hal. I'm sorry. It's not you that's snoring. It's Gordy. Yeah, it is Gordy. I want to correct that. And Gordy is so cute. And if you haven't seen the video of Gordy, uh, what is he kind of chewing in his bed, sucking on his bed? Sucks. Yeah. 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 Uh, Check our Facebook page out because it's a cute video, cute dogs, and you can see what they're doing as we do the show. So what are you working on in the newsroom? Well, coming up, if you you see a dog, and especially in, in um, cities where, you know, like Los Angeles, big cities, and then outside in the suburbs, you will see a lot of these new things on dogs that look like, oh gosh, like, like the dog is wearing a phony mohawk, like a plastic mohawk, or the dog might remind you of an armadillo. Huh. Um, hmm. <laughs> just, it's some weird stuff going on. But if you see one of these, we'll tell you why the dog is wearing it. Because it is a life-saving device, and it's pretty new to the market. Yeah, it's not just for uh, looks, I don't believe. There's actual use No, for not it. at all. <laughs> okay. We'll stick around for that, and uh, that's just about 10 minutes away. And in the meantime, what do you say we have a little fun? Good afternoon, the Iams Company Customer Service. This is Lori. Hi, Lori. How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? Very good, thank you. I was wondering, I have this really strange talent, and I was thinking that Imes might like that and might might be able to hire somebody like me with my strange talent. Okay. And your strange talent is? Well, after my cat uses the litter, I can uh-huh. just like take a big sniff and I can tell what kind of cat food he's eating. Really? Yeah, I could. I, I like the other day. It was Imes. We gave mm-hmm. him some Yukonuba, and I was able to just take a big sniff, and I knew immediately it was Imes. That's wonderful. That's yeah. wonderful. I was wondering if you could use anybody like that around there. Unfortunately, um, right now there's not really a need for that. Yeah. Um, we have not even for taste tests or anything like that, huh? No, no. We 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 like to use our four-legged companions. Yeah. Um, yes, we have four-legged associates that, that uh, taste test our food for us. So you've already covered this ground, right? Mm-hmm, okay. unfortunately. But we can definitely take your name and, and keep that in mind if, if the call is ever there for a human associate to do that. Well, you know what? I have another idea, too. Okay. Okay. When I see my dog, I have to take him outside to, you know, you know. You know do his business? Do his business, yeah. Uh-huh. And a lot of times I can't see where he left it because it, it kind of matches the, the dirt. So mm-hmm. I was wondering if you could do something with the food so that it comes out pink or fluorescent orange and then I'll know exactly where it is. Okay, well, I will definitely pass that suggestion along to uh, our R&D division and yeah. see if they can work on that. But as of right now, there is nothing in the diet that can change the color of the dog's stool. Okay. Do you guys have a mailing list? We certainly do. I was wondering, can I put my dog on the mailing list? I think it would uh, build his character and his ego to, you know, get mail. This is Glenn Close on Animal Radio. And remember how very, very important it is to spay or neuter your pet. No, that's terrible. 
Okay, start again. <laughs> this is Glenn Close on Animal Radio, urging you to spay or neuter your pet. If you are trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO, private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 877-247-1584. Check out Animal Radio Highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to AnimalRadio.pet. It's Animal Radio. Celebrating the connection with our pets. And we'll head back to the phones for your calls in just a couple of seconds now. But first, something special. Let's visit with country singer Lori Morgan. Hey, Lori, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I just love your accent. <laughs> oh, just make... Well, thank you. You're a sucker for that, aren't you? I now? am a sucker for that. You know, when I found out that you were such an animal lover, I said, we got to get Lori on the show because well, thank you. you're involved with New Leash on Life. Please tell people, what is that about? Well, New Leash on Life is uh, it's a, non, uh, a no-kill shelter here in Lebanon, Tennessee, where I live. And uh, um, I just felt compelled to be involved with them because I, I'm all for the no-kill shelters, and um, they're local right here with me, and uh, I definitely support that about... Um, you know, I don't. I don't like. I don't like anything to be killed, euthanized, nothing. So, uh, I wanted to show some kind of, um, you know, my support in in what they were doing. So I started supporting them and uh, did a concert to raise some money for uh, New Leash on Life. And and uh, I try and uh, direct as many people as I can when they're ready to for a pet to go adopt from there. Uh, adopt from a shelter, do do something besides, you know, go to breeders and people that just, you know, are out there to make money, you know? Yeah, yeah. Do you have any pets at home? Oh, I have four. Oh, wow. Just like and, us. Uh, so who's at home? <laughs> Wheezy's sitting right here with me. He's, okay. He's my um, six-and-a-half-year-old pit bull. He was a rescue. And then I have my um, year-old pit bull. Uh, both of them are in the house, Wheezy and Puddin'. Puddin'. <laughs> and I have two great Pyrenees outside, um, wow. Abby and Ray. Now, is Wheezy the one that's in the picture of the T-shirts that you're selling to raise that's, money? That's, that's it. Yep, that's it. Wheezy is uh, on, the pic- on the front of the T-shirt, and um, part of the proceeds from that T-shirt we give to, uh, you know, um, well, we say we're giving it, you know, for pit bulls and... Uh, but really, it will go to toward anything. We give a lot of that money to uh, New Leash on Life. So it sounds like you have a soft spot for pit bulls. I do. I, I really do. Um, matter of fact, one of my favorite shows is Pit Bulls and Parolees. <laughs> <laughs> so I watch that a lot, and uh, I just think they're you know they're they're the misread uh, little you know 
land of the, the the island of the misfits. That's how I think of the little pit bulls. They're they're misunderstood and um, they're very sensitive dogs. They're beautiful dogs and um, they're extremely smart dogs. And and people just uh, you know they got a bad rap. And why do you think they're getting a bad rap? I'm sorry. Why do you think they're getting a bad rap? Well, I think a lot of people, you know, it's how they're raised. I think I think it could be, you know, if my chihuahua was as big as a pit bull when I had a chihuahua, <laughs> I'd be dead. I mean, I mean, as many times as that dog bit me, you know, um, I mean, seriously, she 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 was meaner than my pit bulls, and um, and and a much better guard dog, really. But um, I, I just think people have, you know, have fought them and trained them and and bad bloodlines and breeded them. Mixed breeded them, inbred them, and and I think they're just uh, you know they've taken a while to to turn the corner to show people that they're just these great dogs. Well, I think people have taken advantage of how loyal they are and how they want to please, and they'll do anything that their masters You're tell exactly them to do. Right. You're exactly right, and I you know I I get on <clears throat> excuse me so often I get on Facebook and I see all these abused animals and and I'm like. Who's the person videoing this stuff, you know? Yeah. Where, where's the guy behind the camera? That's, I would like to smack that person, you know? <laughs> um, I can't hardly sleep. I see the abuse of the, you know, pit bulls and uh, horses and, and just a- elephant. Every, every kind of animal there is. Uh, cats and all this stuff about, you know, uh, China and, 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 and skinning the dogs alive or, you know, food. And I, it just drives me crazy. I, my husband said, Lori... From 9 o'clock on, you're not allowed to get on Facebook because I can't go to sleep at night. Uh, Speaking of which, at night in my household, let me just set the scene. When I go to bed, I usually, me and my wife just go to bed, but by 4 in the morning, (laughs) there's cats and dogs all around us. That's exactly right. That's the same thing we have. We... We let the dogs come up with us when we get in bed, and um, they both have their assigned sleeping places. Uh, Puddin still sleeps in her big, big cage in in the bedroom because she likes to uh, walk and bark out windows all hours of the night if we don't keep her in her cage with a little sheet pulled down over it. (laughs) Wheezy has full reign, but uh, they both go to bed with us every night, and every night about 12 o'clock, he gets in his bed, and Randy picks Puddin' up. She's almost 70 pounds. Wow. And lays her in her little crate like a baby. And by in the morning, Wheezy's in the bed between me and Randy. <laughs> I don't know how he does it, but every morning we wake up, and he is right there in between us. He's like he's this silent little bed creeper in her at night or something, you know. It's a challenge. But anyway, we love our we love our pets and, and I you know, I believe that people who have pets live longer and they're happier people. You know, we may be people call us, you know, sick or whatever, but I don't care. We love our animals. We're crazy about our animals and I don't care what anybody else says. Yes. That's right. that's what I, that's the way I feel. And that's, that's why we right. created a radio show for all of us crazy people that That's uh, good. That's awesome. We we love we love crazy people for pets. Next week you're going to be in uh, Vegas, and uh, we I'll put all the dates up on the uh, website at animalradio.com. And okay, I, great. And Thank of you. course uh, we'll put links to your uh, very intriguing Facebook and Twitter feeds also. <laughs> I can do some funny Facebook stuff. I love it. I love it. Well, sometimes they're they're uh, they're kind of uh, harsh. Sometimes they're not. But you tell it like it is. I do. 
Okay. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. There she goes, Lori Morgan. So so great to finally have her on. Yeah. This is Animal Radio. Attention sports fans, now you can watch every football game you want all season long without leaving your home with Dish for about 50 bucks a month. Compared to your cable bill, you can save almost $600 a year. Call right now and sign up for Dish and watch every football game you want. With Dish, there are no boxes to pay, plus get free installation as soon as tomorrow. If you call now. And with Dish Anywhere, you can watch your favorite sports and channels on your smartphone, tablet, or laptop. Be one of the first 100 orders right now and get a free voice remote. Don't miss a single football game all year long and save a ton of money. Get a free voice remote and free installation as soon as tomorrow. But you gotta call All American Dish right now. 800 380 4452. 800 380 4452. 800 380 4452. That's 800 380 4452. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. A San Diego, California couple has invented a vest that dogs can wear to protect them from being attacked by coyotes. What a horrible thing to happen. They were inspired by the loss of their dog, Buffy, who was killed by a coyote. And it left this couple kind of, you know, angry, understandably so. But they wondered, you know, hey, what can we do to keep other dogs safe from, you know, dying the same horrible way? Well, that's when they came up with the idea for their protective vest. It may make your dog look a little bit punk rockerish, though, since this vest has plastic spikes on it all around the collar area and then really big spikes. Bikes or quills that run up and down the length of the back from their neck to their butt. So far, they have sold 120 of these coyote vests, and they're taking a whole lot of orders, so they've had to talk to somebody about manufacturing them just so they can keep up. Looks like it's a product that's going to be around a while. Like the pit bulls adopted from shelters and trained to be police dogs, there's a similar storyline that's played out in Brazil last month when four rescue dogs from a shelter there were employed as ball boys at the Brazil Open Tennis Tournament. That was a brilliant move, don't you think, on the part of the Brazilian dog lovers and trainers who took the mistreated dogs and then gave them their new occupation by training them to feel at home and comfortable on the tennis court. And then they had to get them used to the noise of the loud crowds and the high speed of the balls that they were fetching. But they say all of the dogs did a fantastic job and they were a huge hit with the sports fans. A Michigan veterinarian has earned the title of Doggy dentist for his practice of fitting dogs with braces and he also performs root canals on dogs too after a photo of his golden retriever puppy wearing braces it was shared all over the internet so now he has this doggy dentist reputation dr jim moore says while it might be unusual for us to see a dog wearing braces he stresses the all important world of animal dentistry and dental health and says orthodontia in pets is normally not for aesthetic purposes, but because of health concerns. I'm Lori Brooks. Be sure to get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Hello, I'm David Bellamy the Bellamy Brothers, and we're on Animal Radio. Love your animals. 
this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Red Barn. And during these uncertain times, Red Barn is grateful for the consistent love and joy our pets bring into our lives. They're also grateful for their all-natural, long-lasting dog chews. Now diligently working alongside their pet parents, your dog deserves a break in between those video chat sessions and lap sitting. Red Barn Chews are the natural way to distract your dog during the day or give their paws a break from typing up emails. Thank you, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. Do you remember a few years ago we had uh, our next guest on, Gwen Cooper? She had a book called Homer's Odyssey about a blind black cat. Yeah. And uh, all the life lessons that this cat has taught her. And she is back now with uh, the sequel just called Homer. We welcome to the show Gwen Cooper. Hi, Gwen. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me on again. Since uh, we have a lot of new listeners since the first time around, tell us a little bit about Homer. Um, Homer was my blind cat who I adopted when he was about three weeks old um, and had until right around his 17th birthday. Um, Mm. Sadly, we lost him in 2013. Mm. And uh, at, at which point he had uh, sort of risen to, to fame and fortune, you know, from his humble beginnings as a uh, neglected and unwanted blind kitten. So he and, was he blind from birth? Well, he was born with, uh, with, with you know, an eye infection that he inherited from his mother. Um, and so he was probably never really able to see. His eyes were surgically removed when he was two weeks old. This was before I'd, I adopted him. And the best feeling was that he had never been able to see because he'd already had this advanced infection before his eyes even opened. Wow. Did he know that there was something wrong or did he have a, just a zest for life like he um, could see? He it was an incredibly happy, um, fearless, uh, <laughs> just amazing cat. As anyone who has read his story or, or the many people who follow him online know, um, I don't think he even knew that there was such a thing as vision. Sure. I used to joke that in his world, you know, mommy was omniscient because he thought that quiet was the same thing as invisible. So he would try to, to do things in plain sight that he knew he was not <laughs> supposed to be able to do, but he would do them very quietly. And he was just, he never oh. stopped being startled. Um, when I would say no. And he's like, how did she know? How did she always know? <laughs> so I don't even think, I don't, not only do I not think he was where anything was missing, I, I don't think he knew there was something to miss in the first place. Oh, that's adorable. Was he uh, harder to take care of than a normal cat? Absolutely not. And that was really um, when I sat down, gosh, you know, six, seven years ago to, to write the first book about him. That was really one of the, the points that I wanted to convey. I, I had a lot of trepidations and, and concerns about adopting a blind kitten. Initially, I was very young at the time. I wasn't sure if I was a good fit for a special needs animal. And, you know, there were a few just very simple common sense adjustments. Um, Some of them really, for my benefit, as much as Homer's, I stopped, you know, leaving things lying around on the floor where they shouldn't be, for example, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so he wouldn't trip over them, which was probably a a habit it was time for me to grow out of anyway. Um, But but really, no, it's, uh, you know, and, and the one thing I always like to emphasize is that at the end of the day, a special needs animal is, is still just an animal who is just as capable of loving you and, and living an amazing life as any other. In your new book, you talk about the financial repercussions. What financial repercussions do you have or did you have with Homer? Um, I, well, actually, I mean, there's not really much talk about, you know, finance in, in the new book. We, I mean, the, the, the new book sort of covers the, the time period where the old book leaves off. Um, so the first book ended with my wedding. And the second book actually talks uh, to some extent about the process of, of getting Homer's Odyssey published. 
Um, you know, I was worried initially when I adopted a third cat that, that it was, you know, again, it was, it's always a financial commitment to, to adopt a pet. Um, but there were no additional expenses you know, with a blind cat than there than there were with any of my others. Well, your new cat, uh, was it also a special needs? We adopted kittens, uh, Clayton and Fanny, two litter mates. Um, Clayton is actually a tripod. He only has three legs. Uh-huh. And, um, and and it was funny to, to see him. He really uh, took to Homer. Uh, there was a lot of hero worship there. You know, he was a kitten <laughs> and, and Homer was, was older. And, you know, I see Homer walking along and this, uh, you know, I always say that Clayton kind of bunny hops because he only has uh, the one hind leg. And to see this little kitten, you know, sort of hopping around Homer in circles, um, waiting for Homer to do something interesting, you know, was, uh, was, was always a really fun sight in our house. I know you probably learned a lot, but what is the one thing that just comes first to mind that you learned from Homer? You know, I always say uh, this idea of, of blind leaps of faith, um, that there are things in life that, that are scary, and if you overthink them, you don't do them. And sometimes you just have to, to close your eyes and jump. And, you know, Homer, who was just so fearless, and there were probably a lot more things for him to be afraid of than he even knew, but he didn't see them. And, and so he just lived his life. I read Homer's Honesty, but I, this looks like such a fun follow-up and a sequel to it. If people want to learn more, they can go to your website at GwenCooper.com. Of course, links to everything you've heard on today's show over at AnimalRadio.com. And do we have copies to give away? Five, five, five copies to give away. Yes. We're talking about Homer, the sequel to Homer's Odyssey by Gwen Cooper, about this adorable little black cat who was blind and uh, passed in 2013 at 17 years old. That's a pretty long life. That's a good life yeah, for a is. cat. Yeah, no, he, uh, he, he, he lived a good long life, and, and he, he, was a, a, he was a champ until the end. Um, just really tremendous courage and tremendous strength and, and strength of character. And I think people who read the first book and, and want to, to know more of the story um, will, will be sort of proud, I guess, as, as proud of Homer as, as the rest of us were um, when they read the new book. I also wanted to say you can find it. Actually, Homer has his own website these days, um, oh, okay. and that's HiHomer.com, just H-I-H-O-M-E-R.com. And so you can find lots of fun stuff there and uh, links to the book and to Homer's incredibly active social media community. Um, the cat is, is so much more popular than I am. Yeah, well, he has like 2 million fans, fans doesn't he? <laughs> he has. Well, he has 800,000 fans just on his, his Facebook fan page. Wow. And we reach 2 million people a day just, just on Facebook. Um, and then, of course, there's, you know, Twitter and, and Instagram and Pinterest and, and the blog and um like I said, people, many more people know who Homer is than know who I am. Well, we is, know. Uh, probably as it was always destined to be. Sure, sure. And we know the internet was invented for cats anyway. It absolutely was. Cats and porn, I always say. Yes. So I guess I'm, I'm in the right side of things. There you go. Gwen Cooper joining us. Thank you so much for doing so. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. We'll head back to the phones for your calls. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. An upscale German restaurant says your dog is welcome, but keep those crying kids at home. Peter DeGlay, the owner of Boheme, says his customers work hard and don't come to his restaurant to hear children crying. He says they want peace and quiet and have complained to him on several occasions. Now people with children are complaining. Some people are protesting while others are applauding the new rule. 
Deglay, the father of two, doesn't understand what all the fuss is about. He says children are welcome at lunch, just not at dinner, when he says they should be home sleeping anyway. So for now, at Boheme, you and your dog can make a dinner reservation. Just keep the barking to a minimum, please. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. Are you tired of high cable TV rates? Sign up for Dish today and get a $500 bonus offer while supplies last. Plus, lock in your price for two years guaranteed. Call All-American Dish, your dish-authorized retailer now. 800-380-4452. 800-380-4452. That's 800-380-4452. Offers require credit qualification, 24-month commitment, early termination fee, and e-auto pay. Restrictions apply. Call for details. Live at the Red Barn Studios, you're listening to Animal Radio. Here's Hal and Judy. And we go to Bob, who's calling from the Woodlands. Where is that? Texas. Texas, the Woodlands of Texas. Okay. Uh, You are on with Dr. Debbie. Oh, good. Well, hi, Bob. Here's my question. We have a, a Yorkie puppy who weighs right at a pound. And um, when we took her to the vet, he... The first vet said she's too small to give a sentinel heartworm and fleet tab. Mm-hmm. And then we went to a second vet who said, no, you can go ahead and give her one because uh, you just have to break it in half. And he gave me an 11 to 25-pound tab, Okay, which still seems like too much. So I, I called sentinel on their 800 number, and they said that, they, they don't recommend it for any dog less than two pounds. Yeah, yeah. So the, the question is, what kind of flea treatment? I, I want to get her on some kind of a heartworm regimen, and I also would like to get her on some kind of a flea regimen. Um, right. Absolutely. And, and that's, is she, she the only dog you have? She's the only dog, yes. Okay. And um, up to right now, have they used regular deworming products on her for other purposes, as far as for, like, you know, the intestinal worms? They hopefully yeah. dewormed her in those respects. Right. right. Yeah, we used okay. um, a couple different pills. One was a pill and one was kind of a, a liquid. But neither one of those, one was for um, some kind of worms. The other was for some kind of uh, parasite. Couldn't think of the word. So, okay, yeah. So, but again, I'm back to... You know, when when can you do something for fleas, and what can you do? Right now, we use Dawn detergent, which actually <laughs> good old Dawn. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, it works. Um, and but I hate to give her a bath every week, but that's what we're doing. Yeah, um, and let me ask you: Are you do you have a lot of flea problems in your area? Oh, no. well, yeah, in the area we do, but we don't. Uh, we have a screened-in porch. <laughs> we take her out there. <laughs> And uh, she has a little puppy pad that we're using to get her house broken, so she doesn't. So she's get... probably not one of those dogs that spends a lot of time outdoors roaming the <laughs> great yonder. <laughs> Zero time outdoors. Oh, a one-pound Yorkie order. could, yeah. a one-pound Yorkie could easily be um, a prey for like a large uh, bird or something like that. So we do right. have to be careful. He should get some of that spike armor you were talking about in the news. Is it is it real armor that you put on the pets? Is that what it's for, or is it just show? Well, no, no, it is. It picture like a life vest. 
or maybe even a Halloween costume-ish, because that's what it looks like. It's pretty dramatic. It's got these little about inch-long plastic spikes that go around the neck, but these quills that stand up on the back from the picture, they look like they're about three or four inches and go straight down their spine, and they're attached to that life vest thing that goes on the dog. You know, it's, it's, I'll tell you what's funny about that. That's that's no different than like what they do with Commodores and Pulleys. Do you know the coat on the Commodore and Pulley, the, um, the reason why it's corded and it's so thick, it's protecting the herd, and it comes into contact with a coyote, a wolf, or anything, whatever they're going to wow. fight with. That is protection. They can't bite down through it because you're looking at four inches of coat that they would actually be biting through, and that's why their coats are corded. So it's kind of, I guess, on the huh. same level, it's just different. I didn't know that. Very I interesting. so I much either. on this show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. their their own personal armor. Personal armor. <laughs> um, so here's the question: heartworm okay. and flea protection. What would you okay. recommend? Well, you know, every region's a little bit different in what their veterinarians were probably most comfortable with. Um, I do have, you know, definitely I share the concerns with a small dog and using some products. Um, and I would always fall back on the manufacturer because they're going to be the ones that stand behind the product legally. So if they say not to use the the heartworm flea medication for her, then I'm going to honor that. Um, for smaller pets in my office, we very commonly will use, as far as heartworm protection, we'll use um, Heart Guard, um, which is a type of a monthly chewable, um, as well as... Um, uh, uh, interceptor. And uh, those are some of the products that we'll use in our office. As far as flea tick products, you can kind of switch things up a little bit and you can try some different things. And, you know, regular bathing with Dawn is, is great to just kind of remove the fleas, but it doesn't do a lot to really give us some long sustained protection. Um, so we, we would certainly look at maybe something like, um, I'm a fan of frontline uh, when it comes to, um, flea and tick control. And that's the type, either a topical spot on, um, or spray on that you um, uh, can apply to the pet. Um, so it's nice and convenient when we have one product that kind of does everything, but you might kind of have to mix and match um, just so that we're keeping in mind her small size and, uh, you know, covering your bases with uh, you know, all the different things we've got to worry about with our puppy dogs in the infectious disease world. Well, I appreciate it. We've had two dogs in our lives. One lived 18 years and one lived 17 years. This is our third. And... Uh, <clears throat> Um, but this is by far the smallest. I gotta, I gotta yeah. ask here. I gotta butt in. Right. Is that kind of small for a Yorkie to be a pound? I mean, that's pretty small. Well, she was a runt. Uh, her brothers towered over her. Um, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, she, she's awfully. She weighed fourteen ounces when we took wow. her to the vet the first time, and and she was uh, seven weeks old. Yeah, and some of those um, breeds, we definitely can see some lines where they breed towards the really tiny, the really small, almost teacup-type size. Um, they're good and bad with that. <laughs> they're easy to carry around. A lot of people really loves the, love the really tiny ones. But you do have to be a little bit um, on the watch for you know some genetic things and then definitely the size-related problems of just kind of getting underfoot and uh, you know being a tiny dog in a big world. <laughs> okay, well, thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks. for the call, Bob. Are we ready to get on out of here? I'm ready. Let's go walk the dogs. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Wait, I have to wake up Gordy first. <laughs> <laughs> Don't. You're not supposed to wake sleeping dogs. Isn't that what they say? Oh, that's right. Let them lie. Yes. This is Animal Radio Network. Network.